Hi everyone and welcome to SAMA, an interview series which invites experts each week to discuss a topic in their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have James Templeton to show us how we can overcome cancer and regain our lives. This is regain our quality of life. A fifth generation Texan, James Templeton tapped into his fighting spirit and became an over 30 year cancer survivor who healed himself from a terminal diagnosis with the use of alternative medicine and healing modalities. As the visionary founder of Unikey Health Systems and the Templeton Wellness Foundation, James has since utilized his wisdom and experience to helping others achieve optimum health and wellness. James, welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you with us. Oh, John, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for having me. The thing I'd love to know first before we go anywhere else, cut to the chase, can you please t share with us your story? How did you, um, how did you feel? How was it when you first got diagnosed with cancer? Where, how did you know where to turn to? Well, you know, John, I was living in Texas and uh, I thought that everything was going great in my life. And I had a, a wife, I had a little girl that wasn't even two years old yet. And I had several very successful businesses. And I was, uh, you know, uh, 32 years old. I was in good physical fitness shape, I thought. I was running. I was a runner. One of these guys you see running down the road, you know, that, that everywhere you go, you see this guy. <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. And the reason I was doing that is because my father and my grandfather both died of heart disease at a very young age. My father at 46 oh my and my grandfather at 36. Well, when I was in high school and about maybe 17 years old, my father, he died. He just fell over with a heart attack. And, and after that, I just, you know, I, I really, really kind of went through a hard time because uh, I felt like, you know, you know, I'll probably be next, you know, with this heart disease thing. And, and you also have to know that my mother died before I was even two years old of uh, not a heart disease, but other diseases. And I had a little brother that died at the age of eight. So I had a lot of death in my family. So when my father died, you know, I thought, well, you know, what's the use? You know, what, you know what's going to happen next to me? You know, I might not make it to 30. So that's how I felt. I had this kind of what the use attitude. But I eventually, you know, long story short, I became successful, you know, around about way, got married, settled down, thought things might turn around for me because I got into this physical fitness thing. And, and I, there was a guy back then, his name was Jim Fix. And Jim Fix was this guy that was a fitness guru in the, in the United States. And he was a, a r avid runner. And, and he felt that uh, he, he wrote a book called The Complete Book of Running. And he felt that if you ran uh, and you stayed in good physical fitness shape, that you could stave off heart disease. So I thought, well, I can do it if he can do it. So I got into this. That's what really drove me. But uh, his father died at the age of 35. So anyway, I, I thought that I was doing the right thing. And one day I went to the office and I sat down in my office and I grabbed the newspaper from that morning and I started to read this newspaper. And I looked right off the bat, there was these headlines there and I looked at it, it said running guru. 
uh, Jim Fix dies while jogging of a heart attack. And I'm like, oh my God, how, wait a minute, am I reading this right? Yeah. So I started to look at that and I said, oh my God, you know, I was in shock because I thought I was doing the right thing. So then I saw that this happened. I thought, well, I better get myself checked out because who knows, maybe I'm not as in good a shape as I thought I was. So I went uh, as soon as I could to get a cardio stress test. One of these tests that you go and they get on the treadmill and they, they hook all these wires to you and they get you on that treadmill and they start to run in a little bit, walking first, and then before you know it, you're running and then you're running wide open. Well, the doctor told me right then, he said, James, he says, you know, you're in tremendous shape because I was running up to 60 miles a week at that point. And wow. he said, you're in tremendous shape. He says, you're going to go a long ways. You, you, you don't, I don't think you have to worry about your heart for, for quite a while. And he says to me, he says, you broke the record in the office. No one's ever done this well on this treadmill test. <laughs> so I felt pretty good about it. And I got excited kind of like, Oh, I'm doing something good. I mean, you know, I'm successful. I'm a young guy, entrepreneur. You know, I got life by the tail. You know, everything's going good. But on the way out, he kind of like looked at me after this full examination. He says, there's only one thing that I'm concerned about, and it's probably nothing to it. But he said, there's a mole on your back. And he said, that mole looks a little different to me. He said, there's probably nothing to it. But he says, you know, you might want to get it checked out when you get a chance. He says, I wouldn't even worry about it. But, but you know, it's just a little different. So get it checked out. So I didn't think much about it. So, you know, a few weeks later, I decided to go get, get it looked at. So I went to a dermatologist. And when I walked into that dermatologist and he said, take your shirt off, I, I told him what the issue was and he looked at this mole. Well, I mean, this guy got very excited. All of a sudden he goes, oh my God. He says, I think you might have melanoma right off the bat. Just, just, you know, and I went melanoma. Well, I didn't know much about melanoma, but melanoma to me was a, was not a very friendly sounding word, but I'd heard about these people that had cancerous molds and they died from the mole. And uh, so I, it scared me, it scared me to death. And, you know, and when this happened to me and the guy says, we might have to remove a large portion of your back tissue and all this, I didn't like his bedside manner. And it, I mean, I went from this guy that thought he had everything going to this guy all of a sudden that the fear just, just drowned in my, in me. And, and I was just like, you know, different person oh just like that you know and uh i left that hospital that doctor's office and i said to myself i won't go back to this guy i didn't like his bedside manner because he acted like he had won the lottery or something he just was different i didn't like the way he went on he got excited and it was it wasn't anything to get excited about it was very scary so uh i went home fairly made it home and long story short I ended up going to another dermatologist to get a second opinion. And he sent me on over to another doctor friend of his that was a renowned oncologist. 
And he says, you know, it all looks suspicious to me, but he said, it's probably nothing, but I'm going to send you over there and uh, see what he says. So when I got to the oncologist's office, he says, uh, well, it looks a little suspicious to me also. He said, the only way we're going to really know what it is, let's just check it out. Let's see exactly what it is. Uh, you know, let's take it out. We'll do it right here in the office. So he took a big plug out of my back, about probably two inch square, right there right there at his office. And he says, just go on home, don't worry. There's nothing you can do. He says, I'll give you a call in a few days and, and see what the lab says. Well, I went home and all I did was worry. All I did was pace the floor. I couldn't sleep at night. Uh, you know, I was, I was miserable. And it was almost two weeks before he, he calls me on the phone. And he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I was, you know, just like, well, what's, what's the good news and the bad news? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those kind of deals, you know, it's like a joke almost, you know. So he says to me, he says, the good news is he says, you've got melanoma. And I'm like, good news. He goes, wait a minute now. He says, but we think we got it all in this area, this perimeter area around this, this plug that we took out of your back. He says, I think we've got it all and there's no signs of cancer. So that's a good thing. And then he says, the bad news is he says it's very deep. And he says deep means that uh, it's more likely to spread. Uh, it's stage four. Stage four because they measured it on something called the Clark scale. And it was uh, the way they measure melanomas. And he said it's very deep. So we're going to have to keep a real close eye on this because chances are this cancer uh, is probably going to spread. But we got to keep on top of it. He says you come in every three months and we'll check you out and from head to toe, uh, we'll check, you know, your lymph nodes and, you know, everywhere and we'll make sure that we stay on top of it. He says, there's nothing you can do, but just go home. Don't worry. Get back to normal life. <laughs> life. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, it's just nothing you can do. Okay. So what did I do? I went home and I was a miserable guy. You know, all I did was worry. All I did was, uh, you know, think about the end of my life all of a sudden because I started to read a little bit and we didn't have the internet like we have today, but I learned through several people that I knew that uh, one was a doctor that said that people, I mean, you hate to, to ask people, but you want to know people that had stage four melanoma were lucky to live three years. And when I found that out, I just felt like my life was maybe over mm -hmm. and I was not a fun guy to be around. I lost my ambition. I was very ambitious before and it was a happy, look, go lucky kind of guy that liked to have fun and enjoy and I felt good. And I noticed though, because people will say, well, if you felt so good, how could you get something like this? But I had noticed for the the year or so or two before this that I was getting a lot of colds and a lot of flu and every time uh, you know uh, allergy season would come along I have all these allergies that were really bothering me and hay fever and you name it and and I would I every time something would come around I'd catch it but here I am running and in shape 
and working out and all this, but I kept getting sick and I felt like just not good, not that good some days. And I thought, well, it's just because I'm a little older. I was over 30, you know. It's funny how you think, but I felt like, hey, you know, I guess this is how you feel. You don't feel as good anymore. So I noticed that, but I didn't think anything about it. I just pushed myself harder and, you know, and not, and just kind of bypass it. But, but anyway, uh, I became very hard to be around and, and it started to create problems with my marriage. My wife didn't like, like, uh, my new, I don't think she liked it. My new, uh kind of personality my my fear-based personality my feeling that life was what what's the use you know nothing was gonna nothing mattered anymore and all that and i just i just was in depression deep depression so uh after about uh six months or so of this she ended up leaving me moving into town with my little daughter and after that i just didn't even care you know, I felt like, hey, you know, what's the use? I'll probably die, and who cares? I mean, here I had gone to the doctor every for two times, and, you know, everything checked out okay, right? But uh, soon as, not long after my wife left me, I noticed uh, a lump in my groin while I was taking the shower, and it didn't seem normal. And I went to the doctor, and he says, well, I think we need to, you know, long story short again, I think we need to take this out and see exactly what it is. Let's get in there and let's take a sample of it and see. So I checked into the hospital and here I mean, I, you know, I was just like petrified and I go in, I wake up in the hospital, the doctor comes in. This is the same guy that removed it the first time, this renowned, world renowned oncologist. And, uh, he comes in and he says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, James, he said that this cancer has spread and it's in your lymphatic system. And he said, that's not what we wanted. We didn't want to see this because now we really got a problem and we got to deal with it because this is a very aggressive cancer and we've got to do chemotherapy. He says, I want you to do 80 chemotherapy treatments. He said, we'll do experimental chemotherapy treatments. He said, this is uh, how we're gonna do it. We're gonna elevate your temperature uh, with uh, typhoid serum. We're gonna inject this serum into your, to your veins and get your temperature up and you're gonna feel like you're freezing to death, which I did when I eventually did this. And he says, we're gonna get your, elevate your temperature, uh, get your, your immune system revved up as high as we can, and then we're going to induce the chemo through an IV. He said, this will take, you know, 10 hours a day or something like that. He said, uh, we also need to do a lymph drainage pump every day for several hours because you don't have any major lymph nodes. Now, they removed all the lymph nodes in my growing, and I was like, my leg was like, like that, you know, it was just full of fluids, and he says, we don't want this to, to uh, uh, get so bad that you get lymphedema and you end up having to lose your leg. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh great, now I've got cancer. I gotta, I gotta do these treatments so I don't lose my leg. And he went on to tell me that I had a 20% chance of surviving three to five years if I could get through these chemotherapy treatments alive. 
And he said, if I didn't do the chemotherapy, probably wouldn't have much of a chance at all. So here I was, you know, in this deep state of, of depression, of, of you name it. I mean, I didn't know what to do. I knew there had to be something I could do, but I didn't know what. Mm. So I'm laying there and I'm just miserable. I'm desperate to find an answer. And, uh, I, you know, this is, uh, I'd been recovering already from the surgery, but I think it all turned around because I got a phone call and the phone call came right out of the blue and it was a minister of mine at a church I went to from time to time. And uh, this minister calls me up and I knew him. He was a great guy. He was a runner like me. He was an ex uh, professional athlete, baseball player, older than me, but you know, just a tough, nice guy, you know, good sense of humor, all that. He calls me up and he says, James, he says, you got to fight hard. He said, don't even think about giving into this. I've been praying for you. He says, lots of people in town have been praying for you because I was living in a smaller town in Texas, of course. And he says, you know, we know there's something that can help you. And you got to just realize that you're not all alone. And I want you to fight like hell, he says. And I want you to, you know, just just don't think about giving up. Don't think about, you know, uh, that this is going to end your life. And he says, I want you to know one thing. You're going to beat this SOB in cancer. You know, and he said it flat out, you know, just like, you know, like two sailors, you know, on the ship, you know. And, and it got my attention. And this guy came out with these words and it shocked me because I just didn't expect it. And he, he got me right there. And uh, I knew that I wasn't alone and I had to start to pray. And I started praying and I wasn't a guy that prayed a lot. I wasn't one of these religious guys. And I just was, you know, I went to church. I was a good guy, but it just wasn't, you know. So I started to pray. And I prayed hard. I mean, I prayed like, I don't know, it was out of desperation, but it was like every cell in my body that was like with me there on that, in that prayer. I felt like there was an energy around me, John, like I'd never experienced, an out-of-body experience almost. And I felt that, uh, you know, uh, I was going to get some kind of an answer if I asked God, you know, to help me. So, you know, it was probably about 20 minutes after this prayer, and this when things really started to, to get going. And a friend of mine knocks on my hospital door that I had not seen in over seven years, an old buddy in college. And he walked through that door, and he's waving around uh, some papers in his hand, and he comes through the door, and he tells me he was driving around the area, and something, he, he had found out about this guy that had cured himself of cancer using a diet lifestyle. And he had this, this book review. That's what was in his hand about this guy. And he said, I was driving around the area and near the hospital. And he said, something says, pull over, go visit him now. And he said, I just, I had that feeling that I had to see you now. So he comes through the door, and I said right off the bat, I'm going to do what's in your hand. And he says, you don't even know what's in it. And I said, I don't need to know. I'm going to do it. 
because I felt it, you know, deep inside, this was my answer from the higher power. So I got excited right then and I, I did read it and I started to read it and I said, if this guy can heal himself using a diet, a nutritional diet and, and a lifestyle, then why can't I do it? And I could relate to this guy because he had this, this attitude of like, he's going for broke. And he wasn't going to, you know, he was going to knock heads with the cancer. He wasn't going to give in. He, he had a really strong attitude. And the guy was a, he was actually a Hollywood actor. And he was an actor that had written a book and he was an old kind of grew up on a ranch in Montana. And I related to him because I had a little small farm, which I thought I was kind of a cowboy at one point. And, and uh, I've always loved that growing up in Texas. And I related to him. So I had my friend run out and get that book for me. And I got very excited because now I had something to look forward to. I had some hope. I had my will was starting to kick in, you know, and I started to believe that there was going to be something that was going to help me. So I got that book and, and I got, you know, very excited. And I just felt like this was going to work for me. I just felt it. So the next morning I got another knock on the hospital door and it was my stepmother. And my stepmother came through the door and she had a book in her hand and she walks through there with this book in her hand and she just, she didn't know anything about what all this kind of stuff, you know, where we come from, we just, you, you get sick, you run down to the doctor and you, you, you know, you eat the regular diet and all that, but we didn't know. We just, you know, you didn't know at this point, but I was learning real quick. So she had this book. It was about vitamin C and cancer. And it was about how people that were terminally ill uh, would take high amounts of vitamin C and they would get better and they would stay alive as long as they take these high dosages of vitamin C. And the book was by a fellow by the name of Linus Pauling. And Linus Pauling was a, was a, a research scientist, you know, that, that had done a lot of work on vitamin C and, you know, and cancer. And anyway, the book went on to talk about how important it was. And I got very excited about that. And I said, well, look, if it'll help these people, I'm going to do that too. So here I've got this diet. Now I've got the vitamin C. Now I'm getting excited. Now I'm starting to feel like, hey, they can do it. I can do it too. So the next day, I got one more knock on the door in the hospital. It's the funniest thing happened. It was three days, three days, three knocks on the door for, from things out of the blue that really helped me. So here comes a guy through the door, and he says, look, he says, James, I'm the psychotherapist from the hospital, from the cancer ward. And he says, can I talk to you? He says, I know that you've been depressed. I know you've had a feeling that, you know, things aren't, the outlook's not good. He said, can I come and talk to you and, uh, you know, just see if I can help you in some way? And I said, sure. But I want to ask you something right off the bat. I said, have you ever heard of something called macrobiotics? And that's what this diet was that I discovered. And he says, hold on a minute. He goes across the room. And I thought, I said something wrong. He don't want to talk about it. He left. <laughs> I 
what did he do? He went across the room, shut the door. And I mean, he shut it tight. He comes back over to me and he sat down next to me in the, by the hospital bed. And he says to me, he says, look, I have heard about it, but I'm going to ask you one thing. If I tell you what I know, will you promise that you will not tell anybody about our conversation? And he said, subsequent semi. <laughs> he goes, I don't want to lose my job or my pension and all that. I've been here for 25 years. And he said, they will throw me out of here tomorrow if they hear, hear that we had this conversation. And I said, no problem, no problem. Now I thought I was really on something because here's this guy in secret going to tell me something here. So he went on to tell me how he had really found out about the macrobiotic diet several years you know, before, and he had found out that it helped a lot of people, and he had learned personally that it helped a lot of people. And he says it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of determination and dedication. He says, but if you do it, he says, and you do it the right way, I think it can really help you. He said, but you got to do it the right way. You can't do it halfway. And he said, I even tried it, but I couldn't stick with it because it takes a lot of time. And he says, I couldn't do it. But he says, you don't seem depressed, by the way, at all anyway. He says, you seem like a, you're kind of like a guy that's excited about something. Hmm. And, uh, you know, anyway, he just, he, just, he just really confirmed everything that I had been thinking and reading. And I got very excited. He told me two other books to go get. And he told me about a guy who was a doctor that wrote these books that the guy was saved his life, you know, with this macrobiotic diet that was not, was very conventional and discovered it and he was dying and he got well and uh, it got me excited. So now I'm very excited, very excited. And uh, long story short, I'm almost finished with this part, but long story short, I left the hospital. I did my five chemo treatments, the first five chemotherapy treatments, barely made it out of there with them, but they were terrible. Yeah. I went home, got started on this diet and the vitamin C and all this stuff. And uh, before I knew it, it was two months later, I come back for the, the next chemotherapy because I had to go in the hospital for a week. Mm because it was nasty stuff, yeah. you know, you're on your back and it was, and I was very weak and it made me so sick. They must've doubled or tripled it. But I got in that hospital and uh, I, I was so sick. I couldn't eat. I couldn't keep anything in my stomach. And uh, every night I would hear this commotion in the hallways, people dying in the hallway. I mean, they'd be rolling people down the hall and I would find out that they weren't dying of cancer, they were dying from pneumonia. And, you know, and I said, well, golly, I'm going to be next as weak as I am in here. Yeah. And I remember hearing some nurses talking one day, who's been watching this man's temperature? His temperature is way over the limit. And he could die in here. And you got to watch him. We got to cool his temperature down. So they put all this freezing towels and all these ice on me to cool me down and i said right then i was so out of it i felt like i was about dead and i said i got to get out of this hospital because they're gonna they're gonna end up something's gonna happen to me in here i was i didn't feel well at all and uh so i asked the doctor uh, shortly after that and i said listen 
isn't there something else I can do? And he said, there's nothing else you can do. And I said, well, what would you do if this was your son or daughter doing this, going through this? I'd do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, let's say that. And I said, well, well, I could die in here with this stuff. This is terrible. What about vitamin C, you know, or, or uh, a special diet or something? Doesn't that help? He goes, none of that. Will, none of that. He goes, no, 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 that. Waste your time. And, I, and, I, and after I said I could die from this, he says, well, you know, we're all going to die someday, just like that. And when he said that, I was laying back in that bed, you know, just really weak. I raised up in that bed and I looked at him and I said, listen here, doc, if I could get out of this bed, I'd tear you apart. And I said, I didn't say it that kindly. I said, you SOB. I was so mad because I felt like my hope and, and my will and my determination was getting drug out from under me. And I was so positive before I went in there thinking I was doing all the right things. I was going to do a little of everything. So, you know what? I, I got up the, the next night and I made up my mind. I am out of this hospital and I'm not going to have anything else to do with it. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to war. I'm going to fight. I am not going to look back. And if this doesn't work for me, it's not going to work for anyone. You know, I am going to scratch, claw, kick, you know, punch, whatever I have to do to, to beat this cancer. And I started to get this energy, this fighting energy, really strong fighting energy. And I snuck out of the hospital at two in the morning. <laughs> and I crawled down, crawled down the stairs, snuck down the hallway, down the stairs, and I got in my car and I drove off and I never looked back. And that's been 30, almost 34 years ago that I've survived this stage four diagnosis. Now, you know, I did a lot of changes in my lifestyle, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was amazing how when I got desperate, how the answer started to come through the door of that hospital room. And of course, it's up to me to do the work. Right. You had all the signs there. You just got to follow the signs. <laughs> yes. Gosh, it's, but, it's a uh, story. I, I, I sort of, I can, I can feel this, the roller coaster of emotions, the high to the low, and then the rebuilding again. And, um, what do you think would have happened if you had stayed in the hospital? What's your, what's your honest? Well, opinion? you know, you never know. And there's been people said, well, what do you think? Do you think the surgery helped? Do you think, well, it might've. And I say in my book that, you know, I don't know, maybe it did help, but I wasn't going to stick around any longer and end up like one of these people that, that got pushed down the hallway at night. And I was afraid to, and I felt like it was making me so sick because the doctor said I wasn't responding very well. So he said it was, a, you know, he felt like it wasn't working the way they had hoped. And uh, I, I knew as sick as I was getting, because they told me, you know, you're getting sick if you, if you can, you know, get through this without getting so sick, it's a good thing. And I wasn't. And I knew that I had to do it. And, you know, and I, I thought hard about it and meditated about it and prayed about it and, you know, you name it. And I, it was a tough decision that while I laid there, it didn't take me long to realize, you know what, I'm going for broke. 
I'm going for broke just like this guy did on this this actor in this other book, uh, Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy was the name of that book. And uh, I felt like, hey, you know, I'm not going to look back. And if it doesn't work for me, it's not because I didn't give it 150 percent. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if I would have been here or not, but I wasn't going to mess around with, to find out. I was going to change my lifestyle, my diet. I was going to get on everything I could that was anti-cancer, you know, including diet, lifestyle, uh, visualization, meditation, exercise in moderation and not get so carried away with all this, you know, and supplementation, you know, down the road, I learned about a lot of things over the years, but I, I was not going to look back and feel like I hadn't given it my all. Okay. What do you think are the underlying root causes of cancers? Well, the, the real problem with cancer is, is that, you know, and sometimes I, I think it's cancer is an immune system issue. But the reason is I say that's because when people start to, you know, especially as they get older, I mean, cancer is the number one killer from the age of one to 65. And when you get to 65 and older, it's heart disease. But, you know, cancer is, is one out of two people you know, are going to have cancer pretty much in their lifetime now. You know, it's, uh, they say one out of three women, one out of two men, but it's getting close to one out of two. But the reason is because people are eating so much sugar, sugar feeds cancer, sugar, you know, high glucose in the system, you know, from, from sugar, sugar, people eat uh, 180 pounds of sugar a year in the United States, you know, that's the average. And they're drinking, you know, diet sodas and, and artificial sweeteners, like, you know, that are, that are, cancer causing they're they they've got uh you know terrible diets full of pesticides full of uh full of uh, uh preservatives uh they're exposed to a lot of toxins you know in their home the household uh cleaners in their house it's everything it's like toxic overload there's every cancer patient is very very toxic and it 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 doesn't surprise me or anyone else if they use common sense to know that when you start to eliminate the toxicity you take start to take a load off of the immune system and the immune system is designed to get rid of cancer cells because we all have cancer cells in our bodies on a regular basis and once they get out of control and they stay in the system too long and the immune system can't do its job the way it should then then all of a sudden we start to have real issues and it sometimes takes 8 10 12 years for someone to develop full-blown detectable cancer by conventional you know medicine yes. but uh but it's all it's a lot of things john it's from the bad water that they drink it's to the bad fats in their diet it's to it's to uh you know hormones bad everything it's it's parasites intestinal parasites which are uh, is a big problem around the world uh parasites are are uh you know a huge amino suppressive problem you know i found out that i had parasites through a world-renowned doctor that i met later on in uh, new york city and he was from columbia 
and he knew parasites. Not many doctors in this country know about parasites. You know, there are probably more doctors around the world, but they're not trained in medical school, you know, that much about parasites. So that's sometimes the last place they look, but parasites, you know, are, are huge. And I went to see this doctor because I was convinced that I should go see him. And I went to him and he, he did a special test on me right there in the office. And he found that I had uh, several different types of parasites that I actually had a lot of stuff in my system wow. and I had been exposed to a lot of parasites but anyway he went to tell me right there in his office that he'd never seen a case of parasite I mean a case of uh, cancer or AIDS that did not have some kind of parasitic involvement so right. that got me to thinking right then and uh, you know the the other issue is that I felt like if I had it, that what about all these other people out there? So it got me interested. Parasites as in worms? Worms, uh, worms, microscopic parasites, which you can't see with the eye. Worms are like, like Ascaris, which is round worms like animals have, like dogs, cats, horses, you know, you name it. They have parasites a lot. When you take a, a a dog to the vet, veterinarian, the first thing they look for is parasites. Yes. They don't look for like, oh, let's see how he's, how good a shape he's in or this or that. They look at, okay, what's he, let's see if he has parasites. That's the first thing they do. Well, yeah. They do it. They do a swab, tissue swab, you know, at, through, the, through the rear of the dog. And they say, oh, he's got worms. Let's deworm yeah. him. Yeah. And they got, that's what they do. So why don't we, have that kind of uh, treatment, you know, and when we go see a doctor, they, that's the last thing they look for. <laughs> that's right. And it's more to it than that too, James, you know, because, I mean, you know, as, as well as we do, that the medications that animals get are something in the order of 10 to 100 times cheaper than the human equivalent. And it's the exact same yeah. compound. In fact, the, when you're talking about the uh, parasites, I thought well, there's a there's a capsule, IV, IV something, something, the name of it. I can never remember the name, but it's dirt cheap if you buy it from a vet. Exact, yeah. same, exact same drug, and all you do is you cut it into a quarter because it's designed for a larger, larger beast than ourselves. <laughs> and you take it, and this, this is the same thing, and, it's, and it, there's zero side effects. It's not a poison to our own bodies. It's just poisonous to parasites. So why don't, when you go to a doctor, they take out one of these horse capsules, cut it into little pieces, and give you a little piece. There's no profit to be made. This is the difference. There's no profit, and, and the insurance won't cover it. And you know, unless you know, you go in there and they go, everybody says, "Well, will my insurance cover it?" And they'll say, "Well, I mean, how bad's the pain? You know, is it killing you? Do you feel like you fixed the keel over? Well, we better get some. We better check you out then. You know. So I mean, oh, let's wait till it's at the last stage, till you're about to keel over before yeah. we, before we even send it into the insurance. Because mm. God forbid, we don't want them to, you know, think bad of us or whatever. But yeah, you're right. It's there's if if the money's in it. That's where that's the money trail. You follow the money trail, and you know immune immunity is such an important thing, and you've got to detoxify on a regular basis. De I mean, I always like to say diet, detox, and supplementation. You know, yes. is the key factors for treating cancer, mm -hmm. and detox is a huge thing because if you take the load off, 
you know, of that, then you're going to have a stronger system. Your body's going to absorb better. You're going to get better nutrition. You're going to get better vitamins and minerals. And then you got to supplement with anti-cancer, I believe. Uh, some people do it all through diet. I did at the beginning, all through diet and vitamin C. But vitamin C is such an important thing, you know, uh, to, to really look at if you're dealing with cancer or immune issues, you know, whether it's, whether it's cancer or something else, heart disease. There's a lot of research. It's not, it's not just something I read in a book back then and people are reading occasionally. It's, there's a lot of research, but there's no money in vitamin C again. There's no money in IV drips of vitamin C and, you know, vitamin C can't be patented. So, you know, it's a natural substance. So it was intravenously how you took vitamin C in the large doses. I was going to ask you this before. Mm -hmm. You weren't taking a lot of capsules. You're taking it. You're having it into your body. I take a lot of capsules, uh, uh, tablets, capsules and and powder vitamin C. I've done this for years. I mean, I still take a lot of vitamin C. Uh, I think that today, you know, the IV is very good, very important if you can do it, especially if you have cancer, because it's like a healthy chemotherapy for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you want to you wanna build up your immunity. And there's certain things that have been shown through, through tests. You know, there was a test that Linus Pauling, the guy I was telling you about earlier, Linus Pauling and one of his research partners, Dr. Matthias Rath, R-A-T-H, you know, they did a study, a 15-year study on cancer and vitamin C, and and also it was kind of a new, uh, it was a combination of different nutrients from vitamin C, lysine, proline, uh, EGCG, which is a green tea extract. So what they did was they took all these uh, people that had different kinds of cancer. So they gave them this this uh, uh, combination uh, to these people, and they had some were placebo, and some were you know actually taking the, the supplements. But after 15 years, they discovered that cancer was a collagen disease, that cancer spread through the collagen, and 90% of people's cancer deaths are because of metastasis. You know, when the cancer spreads through the tissues into an organ, into creates a lot of inflammation, and then you start to have things like fluid on this and that, and fluid here, and, and you know, uh, other issues, and that causes the death a lot of times. But um, they discovered that when you took high amounts of vitamin C, that it built up the collagen in the system, and it made it very hard for the, the, the cancer to penetrate and to spread. And there's cancer has a certain enzyme called nagalase that is produced by the cancer cells that that enables it to spread through the tissue. So the vitamin C makes it very difficult for that. But the lysine I'm talking about, what does lysine do? Lysine helps to destroy the nagalase. So they're using vitamin C, they're using nagalase uh, uh, destroyers, you know, like called lysine. They're using proline. Proline helps build up the collagen layers also in the body. You know, the, the collagen is like connective tissue all throughout the body. So 
The EGCG is just a very high antioxidant, anti-cancer uh, substance that they, that they believe that was important for this study. But they found that this stopped for a lot of these cancers, like, you know, in the study, this is according to the study, that like in, you know, like breast cancer, for example, yes. prostate cancer, melanoma, like what I had, uh, and, and so on that a lot of these cancers were stopped in, in their tracks as far as spreading through the collagen after taking this amount of vitamin C and proline and lysine and EGCG for 15 years. This is a whole, this is a study that, that they basically don't want people to know about, I guess. And, uh, you know, the other thing, when you get back to vitamin C, vitamin C has a very similar uh, molecular structure to, uh, uh, glucose and cancer loves glucose and sugar it goes after the sugar I mean it just people eat and they're just if you have cancer you gotta you can't have sugar you can't have excess I think you can't have excess fruit you know there's certain fruits that are healthy because they have the uh, you know the anti-cancer the phytonutrients the uh, you know there's certain berries you know are good and there's certain certain but you get too carried away when you start too too many fruit juices in my view uh there's other people probably say something else but there's a lot of sugar you know when you start eating eating a lot of fruit juice or drinking a lot of fruit juices and eating too much fruit but cancer you got to starve the sugar out of the body when cancer can't get sugar it gets can't survive very well so you know you got to keep the the, the levels of sugar down but what happens is and when your your sugar is low then what happens is the cancer starts to go after the vitamin c because it starts to think it's the next best thing sometimes it goes after it anyway so when it goes after the vitamin c and once it's introduced to the vitamin c then then the cancer cells commit suicide which is called apoptosis so that just they just disintegrate I and mean, that's that's the whole idea behind it and that's what a lot of people say now there's other things you know that help help all this too but but why wouldn't somebody take a lot of vitamin c if they have cancer or if they want to prevent cancer i mean i've been taking it all these years and i i'm still walking around yes. and uh i know i know that the, that the vitamin c along with a healthy very detoxifying diet and lifestyle and and um, you know uh just a healthy lifestyle in general saved my life you know it's just you're walking you're walking proof you're living proof yeah and i and i interview people every week you know that have had stage four cancer that have been written off and a lot of them are alive 20, 30 years later. And what did they do? They changed their diet. Most of them took vitamin C. Most of them did. I mean, they, it's a, there's a majority. The majority of people changed their diets and changed. Well, all of them did. But they changed their lifestyle and they cleaned up everything. And they, they, they learned to kind of stay away from a lot of stress. You know, it's a lot of things. But everybody's a little different. So whatever worked for me might not work exactly for the next guy. But but it but I believe I believe wholeheartedly that that uh, there's some key non-negotiable things that you have to look at. Yes, a few good questions coming through on the uh, 
um, on our online participants. Uh, Jan Jeffries is asking, what is the key factor in the metabolic diet? This is one thing we haven't discussed yet either, the metabolic diet, what it is, how it differs from other diets. And Jan's asking, what is the key factor for this diet? So I might as well take this opportunity to talk about the metabolic diet. Uh, what does the metabolic diet entail? Well, the metabolic diet, I'm not really an expert on it, to tell you the truth, to, to be commenting too much on it, on a metabolic diet, because uh, I'm, I'm more for uh, just having a good, clean diet, really, that if you want to, if you, like, for example, if you have cancer, in most cases, I believe that you have to, uh, you know, like, slow down your consumption of, of red meat, you know, and you have to slow down your consumption of animal food because this starts to use up a lot of your enzymes, you know, your, your trypsin and, and your chymotrypsin, which are very important enzymes. Enzymes help to destroy the cancer cells. And when you start to eat too much animal food, you know, it's very, very important. But I also believe that you have to uh, eat lots of cruciferous vegetables, which are anti-cancer, you know, uh, cancer fighting vegetables that are uh, very, very important. And uh, they, you have to eat like uh, there's alien vegetables, which are the, the, the onions and leeks and, and, and garlic. Garlic is probably one of the, the major things you should be eating, you know, with anti-cancer uh, vegetables, but the, you have to get that. And I even ate seaweed, uh, seaweed is very important, uh, and I believe in in, uh, in fermentation, you know, in fermented foods like miso. But it's got to be really good quality. Everything, everything's got to be organic. Throw everything else out, you know, if you have cancer, and make sure you're drinking the purest water, the purest eating, the purest food, and you you gotta you gotta uh, eat you know, lots of vegetables and, and new protein, you got to have some protein, but I believe in, in beans, you know, bean protein, like, uh, small beans, like lentils, chickpeas, uh, uh, dookie beans. These are macrobiotic type beans, but I believe at the beginning, first year or two, you got to clean up, really clean up. And then as you get stronger, then you can reintroduce, you know, some animal food, uh, a little bit more. I mean, some people do okay with a little, but you got to, you know, you got to say, okay, I've been a vegetarian, strict vegetarian, for example. Well, maybe you need a little something, you know, maybe you, maybe it's affecting your glands or, you know, your, your immunity or something. But, but I don't believe in one type of diet. I believe in just using common sense and, and using the good fats, the good oils, the good nuts and seeds, you know, because if you take, uh, uh, seeds and nuts like uh, pumpkin seeds, and if you take the nuts like macadamia nuts, walnuts, almonds, those are very high in anti-cancer properties. So, and, you know, everything, you know, you want to put everything in your diet that's anti-cancer and you get rid of the dairy foods because this is this is inflammatory type foods. So you want to get rid of the the thing that causes inflammation in the body, and you want to get rid of uh, you know uh, anything that's considered like cancer causing, especially sugar again, 
and you want to, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things. If you, if you check out my book and uh, this book here, I used to have cancer. Uh, everything is in there that I did, everything I would do if I had to do it over again. And there's no particular diet in there. It's just, it's just the basics, non-negotiable things in a diet. Okay. Um, Jen Jeffries asks another question um, with regards to the amount of vitamin C that you took. You, you took it in presumably higher doses before than now to maintain your health. I took, uh, back then I took 20,000 milligrams because that's all I knew. In the book that I read, he said 10,000 milligrams of oral vitamin C. And I thought, well, I'll double it. So that's what I did. I took 20,000 milligrams of vitamin C. And to this day, I probably take about 18,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C. And I don't do it all at once. I spread it through the day because it's water soluble. So you want to make sure that, you know, vitamin C, you know, well, you'll, you'll just pee it out, you know, if you, okay. so you want to take it through the day. And I like a time released vitamin C. Uh, there's one that I like that's a powdered vitamin C and all these are in the back of my book under resources, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I still believe that uh, it's important and, uh, you know, and if, I guess you just can't get enough. I mean, the body doesn't manufacture vitamin C. Right. Um, now, um, there's a Dr. Jensen protocol. This is a question asked by Fung. <clears throat> this suggests a lot of fruit juice for treating cancers. <clears throat> but of course, fruit juices contain a lot of fructose, which is sugar. Mm -hmm. um, do you recommend yourself for people to follow that kind of protocol? I'm not a fan of it, but that's just me, you know, of, of fruit, lots of fruit juice if you have cancer. Now, maybe down the road, you can't. I just feel that, you know, uh, you got to get away. Because I didn't have any fruit for four years. And I just didn't. I didn't have fruit. All I had was all these vegetables. And I did eat whole grains. Now, back then, I probably wouldn't eat as many whole grains now uh, as I did back then because 50% of our diet back then was whole grains. But whole grains are very detoxifying, and they're also, uh, you know, prebiotic. So they create more, you know, probiotics in your body, and the fiber does. And it's important. And I think it's okay if it's organic. But, you know, people have this thing, you can't eat very many carbs and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, flour products, no. You know, lots of flour products. Flour products are very high on the glycemic index. So sugar is very high on the glycemic index. We don't want to create yeast and fungus in the body. Yeast and fungus, candida is going to cause your immune system to go haywire and it, and some people even believe that cancer is a fungus so why would we want to do that now i know there's people out there that do all kinds of things and maybe it's mind over body you know maybe it's believing so strongly in what you're doing that that's the key to 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 getting well maybe that's the real key you know well maybe it's a large component of it james because when i listen to your story at the start of the summer and I felt your despair, and you went, you went down, and then you got that hope. You had the three visitors, and, and which were beyond coincidence. It's like a divine intervention, and then you, you gave, you, you had that little candle of hope, and they yeah. grew into a blaze, and then, and then your trucks were, your trucks were gone, and you're, you're away. Um, maybe a lot of it is attitude, um, your, your, um, your optimism. 
I believe it. But also, you, you mentioned about praying. Now, praying is important. Praying is important for you because you are looking for help, and um, maybe that, that's a part of it too. You know, you, you ask. I feel that it's. I feel that fifty percent or more is believing in what you're doing. Yes. You know, and I believe that's just what I feel. I believe that that's as important as eating or anything is believing. But you've got to find something to believe in, and you've got to you've got to realize that hey, if I'm eating a plate of organic anti-cancer foods on a regular basis, if I'm visualizing, you know, getting well, if I am walking every day and breathing deep in a hopefully in clean air somewhere, if I am, uh, you know, uh, sleeping eight hours at night and getting a good night's sleep, and if I am cutting down on the stress that everybody, you know, we're dealing with so much stress in the world we live in, and uh, if I cut down on that stress, that, all these things, it, it, I start to believe that this is going to work for me because if it don't work for me, it ain't going to work for anybody else. So, you know, it's kind of like I'm going, I'm going to war, and I got a, I got a whole bunch of weapons in my pockets, you know, and I'm going to fight, and and you know, I got a better chance than most people, and I'm going to give it my all, and uh, you know, it's it's this strong belief and strong will because there's times when you want to quit and give up and there's times when you feel like you know uh i i just want to go out and have fun and don't worry about this anymore and 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 you know you have to also understand that when you first get cancer this is a very very uh important time to really dig in you know you can't mess around with cancer even if it's an early stage and they go oh it's only one you don't have to worry it's a wake-up yeah. You know, your body is trying to tell you something that the body is out of balance mm -hmm. and you got to get it back to balance. Yeah. If you don't, you're going to have a lot of problems. You might not survive much longer. Mm -hmm. So I believe, John, that you have to really, you know, again, believe in what you're doing. You have to feel like that, uh, you, you know, you've got a lot of weapons in your pocket you can uh you know uh whether it's meditation prayer whether it's i mean there's people that get well from just visualization they visualize they you know hours of during the day they visualize and they get well so because it's such a powerful thing this is so powerful whether it's from you know, emotional visualization, meditation, uh, you know, just, just belief, pure old down home belief. And, and, and you got to surround yourself with people that are not negative. Negativity, <laughs> negativity is, is, will just floor you. And it starts to compress it, suppress your immune system, yes, yes. you know? And, and so it's all everything. So for me to sit here and say that, you know, drinking fruit juice or doing this or this call is not good or bad. It might be for, for this person, but it might not be. But myself, I'm going to stay in the middle somewhere and I'm going to try to do everything I can and I'm going to grasp it and believe in it. And I'm going to read everything I can that's positive and I'm going to study what other people have done that have been successful and I'm going to start to put that into work for me and if I don't you know then then uh you know I didn't give it my best shot you sound like you refused to accept cancer into your body you fought it you gave it the boot. I, I 
think that that's part of it, you know, because, uh, you know, people just give in. I, I, I've got tired of seeing my friends, my family, my colleagues uh, get sick with cancer and die. And and they they get into they go see a doctor and a doctor says well you know it doesn't look good you got stage four and they go well that's not good well you probably got six months or a year or they'll tell them a year well they die in six or eight months because they start to believe that they believe that hey you know I guess I'm gonna die it's my time I'll accept it I'm gonna you know go on and and uh you know and uh, leave the world but i'm the kind that says there's you know i got a little energy left and i don't want to accept that and i'm not ready to go because i got other things i need to do and i'm going to fight this till the end and if they have to you know uh you know physically take me down you know they're going to have a hard time i mean it's just that it like i used to know a lot of people i lived at a facility uh and all this is in my book again but uh i talk about living with people that had cancer and i was uh involved in this this center and i lived there and i would see all these people that had cancer and a lot of them had terminally terminal you know uh, diagnoses and and so here i am i'm thinking you know, they're such nice people. Everyone's so nice, and they're so wonderful. And why did this happen to them? You know, they're too nice to, for this to happen. They just didn't want to fight like I did. You know, I'm the kind of one, you know, give me the, give me the ax, and I'm going to chop the tree down, you know? If that, that tree's going to stop me from uh, surviving, I'm cutting it down, you know? But they're the ones that would say, well, I guess I just I don't have the energy, or oh, I guess. But, you know, who's who's for me to sit here and say that they're right and I'm wrong and or or I'm wrong I'm right and they're wrong I you know it's everybody's it's all up to each individual and yeah. and it's like a guy I used to feel like when I was uh, battling the cancer at the beginning I felt like I was in the ring in the boxing ring with the world champion heavyweight boxer and I didn't know how, I, I kept getting this, this vision. I didn't know how to box, but I had to somehow survive in that, in that 10 rounds without getting killed. And uh, I was somehow going to fight. And I was, it's kind of like the old story you hear about a guy that says somebody was trapped under a car. You know, we used to hear back in Texas, they'd say, oh, there's this, thing, this saying about this guy was trapped under a woman or somebody that was trapped under a Volkswagen bug. And some lady, little old lady came and lifted it off of that person. Well, because they have, we all have the strength. We just sometimes think we don't or we forget that we do. And once you start to believe or get desperate enough, then gosh, you can do wonders. Before the, before today's seminar, I, I, I looked at some of your videos. I knew that you were a very strong person. I just thought it was because you're a Texan. In your early life, you had your your mother die, your father die, your marriage, and then, of course, the, the uh, cancer. Yeah. I think those four travesties had a large part in making you the person you are now. Could be could be because I come from, you know, I'm a fifth generation Texan and uh, 
we uh, down there, they were pioneers. They were some of the first people that settled there and, and they were real fighters, you know, they were ranchers and they were like, you know, you're watching an old Western movie. And I think it's just in you, you know, you can see my picture back here, you know. Oh, this I thought it was a window. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the window. That's how it looks outside here, you know. <laughs> but but uh, I I just for some reason you know have that spirit, and mm. I've seen people that have you know spirit fighting spirit. It doesn't have to be you know let's go to let's go to you know battle. It can be another kind of fighting spirit, but. Uh, but it's just it's just gathering all the tools that you need and 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 really sticking to it you know whatever they are that works for you because everything work everybody's different you know i say that again and uh, i you know uh, that's why i started my foundation the templeton wellness foundation because i wanted to give back and this book goes you know is all about helping people and all the proceeds go to that. I don't want to make any money. I just want to help people. You know, I'm at the age in my life that if I can set an example or I can give somebody else, you know, uh, you know, information that, you know, from someone else's story, then, then it, it makes me feel good. What's the best way for viewers to uh, go to your website and get more information? Well, you can go to my website templetonwellness.com or you can go to i used to have cancer.com and uh you can order the book on there you can get it through barnes and nobles you can get it through amazon of course uh it's it's pretty much everywhere and uh there's there's free downloads if you go to I used to have cancer.com, there's some there's downloads of the top five supplements that I use on a regular basis. And there's also 10 diet recipes that I use on a regular basis. And also there is kind of like uh, my schedule, the things that I do every day when I get up in the morning and what I would do and how I do it. You know, I just want to give people uh, idea of what I do. And this is all about prevention. You know, this helps keep the cancer at bay. And, uh, you know, we, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, but, but, uh, I would have felt bad if I just, if I had just gone back to my old lifestyle and not, and not cared. And, and I felt like after, after my 30 year anniversary from, uh, my cancer diagnosis, I decided it's time to do something because people they, they say, well, how long you had, how long has it been? Oh, four or five years. Okay. But when you say 30 years, they say, well, you know, he must've done something right. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, because people with stage four melanoma usually don't survive no matter what they do medically because they, when they tell you that, I mean, they, they know, but, but you know, I don't believe, you know, you just don't believe it. You just don't accept it, you know, and you just go forward and, and you, uh, you know, but, but anyway, they can get a hold of me that way. And, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, love to, uh, uh, ask, answer their questions if they have any. And also we have a restaurant guide that, uh, and I don't know where your show probably goes all well, it goes all over, mm -hmm. but we have a restaurant guide in this country right now that, that, uh, is giving information on the healthiest restaurants in America. 
and uh, this is new. We're still a work in progress, but we're we're getting close, and it's up. But you know, we're still putting restaurants in. But you know, they're they're organic restaurants that have the best oils, the best you know ingredients, all that, and they're rated on a scale from uh, you know most of them are uh, four and five stars, the ones we put in there. So they're hot, they're really good places. So when you're you know, out and about, you can search and you can find a good or healthy restaurant because, you know, uh, I, I recommend if people have cancer, probably it's better to eat at home most of the time, you know, for a while. But, but you know, we want to go out and do things and cancer is not, is not a death sentence. You know, we don't have to say, oh, well, I have cancer. I can't live anymore, so I just go die. That's just ridiculous, you know. There's a lot of things you can do. You can, you don't have to be, after you get, get get everything kind of balanced out and you get uh, ahead of the cancer you don't have to live in a jail cell you know it's nice. you can still enjoy laugh uh, life and laugh and and uh do something good for humanity like you're doing well yeah yeah we, we do our best so yeah and i'm really i'm really so happy that you've um you've invited our um our request to be on our show james it's very touching the story that you gave of your life and Thank you that, so much. You know, something which is hard to understand is how you came so strong through all well, the things that happened. Well, it you know, I'm very passionate about it because and, and when someone I can help somebody, it it, it goes about a hundred times over, you know, uh, it gives me that much more strength because I love to hear about people that have survived yes. and or they appreciate something that we've we've tried to do you know it's it's it makes you feel like you that's why we were here i was put on this planet to help others you're a, you're a big man james you want to james templeton thank you so much for coming to our show i've thoroughly enjoyed it thank you so very very thank much. you john you're you're a great host and i appreciate it and uh you know i'll uh hopefully talk to you down the road i'd love to meet you in person sometime come down to well it's not texas where is it again <laughs> I, well, I'm actually in Idaho. You come Idaho. visit me in Idaho. Idaho. We'd okay. love to have you. You can come to Texas too. I'm down north of Houston, but but I'm in Idaho most of the year. If you come visit us, we'll show you around. America is a great place. Thank you so much, James, and thank you for everyone for watching.